your home of the Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeart Radio Station. Richard Sherman signed as a free agent with the San Francisco 49ers. Ex of Seattle, the cornerback. They are welcome to him. Richard Sherman should be a character on Saturday Night Live. The angry guy. No matter what Richard Sherman says, he comes off as angry. Two plus two equals four. I'm angry. What time is it? I'm angry. Remember when he scared the crap out of Aaron Andrews on that sideline interview? I'm the best corner in the game. I'm angry. And Aaron Andrews, like, ran away. It's like Richard Sherman is always imitating Mr. T in Rocky Three. Hey, woman, I'm a real man. I'm angry. What the heck does Richard Sherman have to be angry about? Richard Sherman has a Super Bowl ring, and he's already made $48 million playing football. But it should be $60 million. I'm angry. Hey, Richard Sherman. Hey, angry guy. Guess what? You just made the list. Call 412-367-0815 for all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. Matt Burst Plumbing, a name you can trust. Why are you so mad, bro? Because I'm angry. Huh. Isn't that what Mr. T would use to punctuate in Rocky Three? Huh. Kind of like James Brown, only but angry. 412-333-9939. A couple tweets regarding Lawrence Timmons, uh, who got cut by Miami today. Andy Benoit of Sports Illustrated, our man, says, wouldn't be surprised if we've seen the last of Lawrence Timmons. Physical ability still there, but declining. Never been a high football IQ guy. Not someone you quickly integrate into a new scheme, unquote. Well, Andy, we don't have a new scheme for... Lawrence Timmons here in Pittsburgh. We have an old scheme, but Matt Williamson, our football guru, then replied on Twitter, would think Steelers are his only option, but only his fallback plan for Pittsburgh. In other words, the Steelers will pursue younger and better than Lawrence Timmons. I still like him as a backup, as the third inside backer. Got to be better than Dirty Red. Sorry, but he's got to be. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Let me go over my Tiger Woods scenario and get your response to it. I think what's best for golf would be if Tiger Woods would come close at the Masters but lose by a stroke or two to a young guy like Rom or Spieth. And then the same thing happens at the U.S. Open. He comes close, he's a good player, but he gets beat and he passes the torch to a younger guy. Golf needs Tiger for the ratings as proven by ratings going up 200% when he won the Valspar Championship, whatever that was. uh, Excuse me. 
Freudian slip there. I said Tiger won. He finished second, actually, at the at the Jabroni Open. And the ratings went up for golf by 200%. But golf needs the ratings to go up even when Tiger is finally done for good. And if he doesn't get beat, doesn't pass the torch, while he's still in a semblance, not a semblance of his prime, because I'm not sure he's ever going to be that. I would be shocked if he wins another tournament of any kind, let alone another Masters. But if he could come close and get beat, when he disappeared with the sex thing and the back thing, he never got beat. He never passed the torch. That is what would be what's best for golf. That would be what's best for business. We've also been talking about the replay controversy in the NHL. Hornquist got a goal disallowed yesterday because the Penguins were offside in the play leading up to Hornquist's tally. And Dumoulin got a goal disallowed Saturday in Toronto because inexplicably he was deemed to have interfered with the goalie even as he was in complete and clear control of the puck and putting it in the net. I think even with replay, that's ridiculous. They... they well, they, don't forget, I got something wrong when I talked to Mike Lang before. They didn't go to replay there. You can't go to replay when there's a penalty. But but that's an absurd call. And they've gone overboard with goalie interference. But I want less replay, not more. I would take the offside replay out because often too much time elapses between the offside, you know, the entry, and when the goal scored. So you're playing 30, 40, how many meaningless seconds before the goal and the replay. It feels like time really wasted, doesn't it? Even though those seconds are restored to the clock. And as far as the goalie interference thing goes, which is a separate uh, debate from replay, but I want more goals. No one goes to the game hoping the puck doesn't go in. Nobody goes to the game saying, boy, I hope they disallow one tonight. That would be dramatic. And Mike Lang brought up a good point. One of these days you're going to have a guy score in overtime. In Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, we're going to have to wait for a replay to decide whether they won the Stanley Cup or not, which will totally kill the emotion of the moment. And what if they don't? What if the goal's disallowed and then the team goes back down and scores the at the other end to steal the Stanley Cup from the team that thought it won in overtime? Now, make no mistake, if the goal shouldn't count, it shouldn't count. But that is a scenario they would like to avoid, and the way to avoid it is allow more goals than you currently are. Be lax with interference as opposed to now and as opposed to that Dublin goal Saturday, which, again, is absurd because the guy controlling the puck should have the right of way. What's your thoughts on that? Your thoughts on my bold prediction? The Pirates would win just as many games uh, this year, as they will, as they did last year, I think they're going to win about seventy-five games. One thing I'm looking forward to when we have John Clayton at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk about the Steelers quite a bit. We're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns too, because the way they set themselves up up in Cleveland, I think if they take Saquon Barkley with the first pick, they're going to win six or seven games next year. Next year, in fact, my bold prediction is. They'll win six or seven games next year, and they'll beat the Steelers once. You watch. You watch. Let's go to Rich and Kraft. And Rich, you're on with these super genius. Oh, boy, how's it going? What up, man? 
Hey, I'd like to know what you think about if the pro golfers would have to play a couple of tournaments through the season with the old style clubs, the wooden shafts and the Yeah, I the, think that's stupid to even talk about. Why would why would you go backwards in terms of in terms of the technology of the game? To test their actual talents within the game. So here's the thing though. If you're using the more modern high tech clubs and everybody is, then you are testing their talents because everybody yeah. has the same. Yeah, but then you're using that technology. No, no, no. You're 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 searching for some kind of good old days metaphor to make yourself feel better about getting old, but what you yeah. are is completely full of excrement. Thank you for the call. A lot of calls today are just stupid and about stuff nobody cares about. Remember I said that by the way. If Cleveland drafts Saquon Barkley, they will win at least six games, beat the Steelers at least once, and Barkley will be considered better than Bell by midseason. Write that down because you heard it here. John Clayton, bottom of the hour, 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. It's a rare chance for you to have a brush with greatness. Make the most of it. Hey, Mark, big fan, big fan. Say, here's another great name from the past. The X at 105.9. I hesitate to say this, but here's a really good idea from Twitter. Some guy named Stevie tweeted regarding the NHL offsides rule. Make the line vertical instead of horizontal. Make the blue line extend all the way up to the sky. And if any part of your body is onside, you're onside. That would make onside I don't know about easier to call, but it would allow airing on the side of more goals. I like that. That that's a real good idea. So well done, Stevie. Uh, Jake Arietta. I, I said earlier that Jake Arietta. That excuse me, Neil Walker signed with the Yankees for five million. Jake Arrieta, now ex of the Chicago Cubs, got more than Neil Walker did. Arrieta signed with Philadelphia, three years, $75 million. $25 million a year for a guy who looks like he's past his prime. He just won't be worth that, especially not in Philadelphia. Although I respect the Phillies for spending that money. I do. You can't bitch about the Pirates not spending money and then make fun of the Phillies because they spent money on the wrong guy. It wouldn't bother me if the Pirates spent money on the wrong guy. In fact, it would be a, a welcome change. And now, a lot of baseball free agents are getting one-year deals, and not for great money. Like Mustaka signed a one-year deal with Kansas City to return to the Royals, and he's going to make less than he did last year in KC. Logan Morrison, Jonathan Luke Roy, all one-year deals. Now, is that collusion among the owners? Or is that baseball finally wising up? I, I like to get in Twitter beef. It's fun. I consider Twitter totally disposable. I don't think it reflects at all on what I do here. But for some people, it's their only way to pretend they matter. And they go nuts on it, which makes them easy to just muck about with. So some kid, you know, some college bro got on my case earlier today on Twitter. I forget what for. For being fat. Or I think it was because I, I talked about it would be best for Tiger to finish second 
like, you know, the theory I've been saying all day, which is would be best for golf, is for Tiger to come close to winning the Masters but lose to a young guy by a stroke. For Tiger to then come close to winning the U.S. Open but lose to a young guy by a stroke. To pass the torch to get beat, which never happened when Tiger just disappeared because of the sex thing and the back thing. So this, this, this kid from Virginia Military Institute, Tweets at me, oh, you're fat. You could never walk a whole round of golf anyway. You fat, 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 fat. Something like that. If you're going to like get on me on Twitter, don't leave incriminating evidence in your Twitter bio. And in the case of this kid, he plays football for Virginia Military Institute, which went 0-11 last year. So... I typed out 0-11 and copied it, and my entire email was like 0-11 repeated, like, you know, 50 times or whatever. However many 0-11s I could fit into the prescribed characters on Twitter, that's why I sent this kid. So he starts fighting back lamely, and then I went to their stats. He never plays. He's a bench warmer. He never, ever plays. So I said, oh, you can't even get on the field for an 0-11 team. And everything he said... 0-11. You're fat. 0-11. You sit behind the mic, your job's not really a job. 0-11. You suck at radio, but I'm not 0-11. You know, just bang, 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 bang. I just walk away from that stuff laughing. I don't know what it does to the... To, it, like, we're not supposed to, you know, they don't want people to bully online. Eh, you know what? I'm going to repay like with like. You can always log off. I'm going to repay like with like, and if you don't log off and you sustain some kind of deep emotional damage, I think that's kind of funny too. Let's go to uh, David in the car. David, drawn with Double M. Double M, big fan, big fan. Right. Hey, I listen to you every day on the way home from work and every day on the way, and I listen to the B team, and I haven't heard a thing about golf the past few months, but now since Tiger was involved this week, everyone can't stop talking about it, and I love it. So that's what's best for business. Now, as much as I hate him, he's arguably the most influential athlete of any sport of all time. No, he's and not. As it, no, he's not. I could name like I could name twenty soccer players ahead of him. Soccer players. Yes, because they play that all over the the world. You did say in the world, didn't you? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But still. If you put Lionel Messi and Tiger Woods standing next to each other and say Germany, Tiger Woods <laughs> would be ignored. Okay, what about America? What about it? Okay, the most influential athlete in America. Not anymore, maybe at one time. Uh, influential, okay. I'd say popular. I think popular is a better word. You think what's a better word? Popular. Oh, popular. No, I agree. So, basically what I'm what I'm trying to get at is I... I think no matter what, he's always going to be what's best for business, whether he finishes second or or wins. But if he, he until he until he actually retires, everyone's going to want to see him win. So why not just have him win, keep the game of golf there? Well, well first off, retires. it's not predetermined like wrestling. But if it were predetermined like wrestling, what I suggest with him finishing second and passing the torch would be what's best for business. Because bro, he's forty-two. 
Yeah, Mickelson's 47, and he won last week. Nobody's comparing to, uh, Phil that. Mickelson to Tiger Woods in terms of popularity and financial and ratings impact. Nobody. Tiger moves the needle. The object now is to find somebody else who's not 42 years old that can move the needle in the future. What do you think is healthier for the game? A 24-year-old like uh, like Jordan Spieth, is he 24? I think he is. Is it yeah. better for him to beat Tiger or for Tiger to be chasing Jack Nicklaus? No, it's, I agree that it's, it's definitely better for the game for someone young and upcoming like Justin Thomas, someone like that to to take the torch. But until until Tiger actually retires, everyone's going to continue to want to see him win. Because yeah, I, I think you're totally guy. ignoring my point, which I'm not surprised by. They're going to want to see him win as long as nobody beats him. Nobody's beaten him. Okay? Since 2013, it's been the sex problem, the back problem. He disappeared. Nobody beat him. Okay, so if Speed takes him down in the Masters in the Open, then is the torch officially passed and Speed becomes the most ratings popular? I don't know. That would, that would be up to uh, the viewers. But Tiger just can't last forever. He's 42. What, you think those back problems are gone forever? Because back problems rarely are. Would it surprise you if he shot plus eight at the Masters? Because it wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't be surprised if he won the Masters. I'd be a lot more surprised if he won than I would be if he shot plus eight. Fair enough. Good day. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Gary in Uptown with Billy Joel. Gary, on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, what's up, Devil One? Um, I was calling about the Pirates. I think they're going to be frank. I think they're going to lose 100 games this year. Yeah, there's no way they're going to lose 100 games. Why would you say that? Do you have any idea how hard it is to lose 100 games? Um, no. But I remember they came from 2010. Okay. I think there's some maybe 70. I'll give them 70. I'm trying to. I'm trying to be positive. You went from 100. Like... Wait, they might win 70 games. Yeah. Yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me. 100 games is hard to lose. Okay. I think I think the worst they're going to do is 90 losses. And again, I predict they'll do what they did last year, which is go 75 and 87. Up next, football talk with the best guy there is to talk football with from ESPN. It's the professor, Pittsburgh's own John Clayton, 105.9. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. That happens when the show's as popular as this one. Yeah, double M, man. He'd love the show. He just wants to dance. The X at 105.9. Joining me now to talk football from ESPN Radio in Seattle, he is the guru. He is the professor. He is Pittsburgh's own John Clayton. Professor, how's it going? Good to have you on board. With you. I've missed you. <laughs> well, it's great to have you back. And let's start with the obvious, the Steelers' questions first. How's it going to play out with Lev Bell? Are we basically going to see a repeat from last year, timetable-wise? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, he'll he'll miss camp and then come in, uh, you know, a week or two before camp and then try to or before the start of the regular season. I mean, it's, you know, same old, same old. I guess as Myron Cope used to say, it's deja vu all over again. <laughs> and yeah, because you know he still has got his eyes in the sky. I mean, you know, here's 
here's the chance that he could have got $13 million a year somewhere in that neighborhood, which, of course, is good money for a running back in a league right now that doesn't pay a running back more than $8.2 million unless you're a franchise guy like Le'Veon Bell. And he, he's still thinking 14 15 $16 million, which, of course, that's just out of range right now. But, again, it's like $13 million is a pretty good offer. Unfortunately, it wasn't good enough for him, so he'll just have to play it out his way. And then, of course, the Steelers just have to hope he comes in in shape, which he should, and then not have any kind of leg injuries. The Steelers have handled the Bell situation correctly, haven't they? Yes. Yeah, because they can't. I mean, when you realize that the, even the franchise tag number is so far above reality for a running back. I mean, what, there's only like about uh, six running backs in football, excluding Le'Veon Bell, that are making more than $5 million a year. And those numbers are slowly coming down. Like, for example, Latavius Murray is probably going to get cut this week in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, that, I mean, what you have is, you know, with Devontae Freeman at 8.2 million. You have, uh, Shady McCoy at eight million. I mean, the numbers are just tough for running backs, and so you know, here's a running back who's you know is arguably the best in football, but to be you know almost double that's what he wants over the next best running back. It just doesn't work. Well, let's stay with that for a second, John. Is Bell the best back in football? Because I look at Todd Gurley's stats from last year, and boy, I wonder. He is now because again he's such a complete back. Now Gurley, you know, did have a slightly better year because you can make the argument that he was in the hunt to maybe be the uh, offensive MVP. But still, Le'Veon he catches the ball. I mean, he can get seventy, eighty catches in a year. He gets the yards. He's got an amazing ability to stop at the line of scrimmage, put his foot down, go any direction. I mean, he's just incredible like that. But uh, I mean, let's put it this way: there's a lot of backs right now that are either catching up to him or could be ready to pass him. I mean, you're right about Gurley. I mean, uh, Leonard Fournette had a great season. Ezekiel Elliott should be able to bounce back. And, of course, you know at Penn State, uh, <laughs> Daquan uh, Barkley is just absolutely sensational. How will the Steelers fix their defense, John? What moves do you expect them to make? Uh, that's got to be their draft priority, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously they're going to be looking at the inside linebacker spot because of the uh, you know, they don't know about Ryan Shazier. I would have to think that uh, you know there's probably going to be a need for a safety. Uh, maybe uh, so, you know cornerback is always something that's going to be on on their as they're looking out for, particularly now with William Gabe being cut. So uh, yeah, they they still have those issues. But I mean overall, I mean you look at it and just like last year, I mean it's one of the most talented teams in an AFC that's down. Interesting uh, situation with Lawrence Timmons. He got cut by Miami. Uh, he, he only is one year away from the Steelers system. What would be the pros and cons of bringing him back, John? Because from what I hear, it, it still seems unlikely to happen. Yeah, but I, I mean, you can the pros of it are you know with Ryan because I remember I was at the uh, the game where Ryan Shazier took over the play calling on defense for Lawrence Timmons, and you notice it was a noticeable difference. I mean, Lawrence is kind of a quiet guy. I mean, he got the job done, but with Shazier out this year, I mean, Timmons might be the perfect guy to come in here and kind of patch. And the one thing I mean, you can see from the Steelers because they've done this a bunch. It's like guys that have gotten out of there, they invite back. I mean, they did the same thing with William Gay, and they've done probably three or four plays since the mid-2000s, and to me, I think it'd be a nice fit to try to bring him back. Now, again, maybe he doesn't want to come back, but let's put, let's put it this way. He got himself in trouble uh, last year in Miami and got, what, uh, suspended and fined just because he flew back to Pittsburgh to be with the Steelers. So uh, <laughs> you'd have to think there's got to be some interest. Is cutting Mike Mitchell the right move? Uh, do you expect they might bring him back at a lower price, or will they go into free agency and try to do better? 
Uh, well, they're not going to go big into free agency because, again, it's like you know they they like to try to mount up the compensatory picks. But you know, they, the one thing that they they've done now the last couple of years is they make one or two strikes, and I would doubt if Mike would come back. I mean, at a lower price, and again, a lot of players have pride, and when they get cut like that, even if and it, you know they won't take a pay cut or won't take a reduction, and so they may take less money from going someplace else, but. You know, that's there's no choice. I mean, you know, when you have uh, you're over the cap right now, and they've already done three deals to get under the cap, uh, you have to do something. And unfortunately, at five million dollars a year, I mean, he was a sacrifice. The Steelers have kind of an odd model in place, John, with three guys, all three on offense, taking up a ton of cap space. Do you feel like that's going to get the Steelers back to the Super Bowl sooner or later, or is it a flawed model? No, it's not a flawed model because, I mean, it's the big three. And the big three has got this team, you know, you, you can say, and every, every year, really, in the last three or four, I mean, when, when Peyton Manning uh, stepped down from the Denver Broncos, I mean, the pecking order has always been New England and Pittsburgh. Uh, Denver was in there, but you, you can look from the talent, of course. I mean, you see the production of all three. And, of course, I mean, when if, if Bell is the best running back, he needs the best pay, which, of course, he's getting right now. Ben Roethlisberger is one of the best quarterbacks. And so, you know, his contract will have to be addressed here in a couple of a year or so and then Antonio Brown has been the best wide receiver and so he gets the top dollar at 17 but then you watch I mean a lot of these guys from the class of 2014 are going to start topping it I mean you know Odo Beckham at some point is going to be able to top the 17 million so that uh, number one see but again it's like you know when you have three guys like that you need to get the most out of them because again they're three of the best in football at their positions now John you're coming back to Pittsburgh next Monday to speak at Point Park uh, it's their talkback series. You'll be discussing media in the NFL. Uh, information, if you want to go to it, uh, listeners, it's on the X Twitter page. What's that all about? Because I'll tell you what, if there's anything that's intriguing, it's the media's relationship with the National Football League. Absolutely. I mean, particularly uh, the way it is and just how it's evolved through the years. And that's going to be the fun part of the, about the talkback series is that, uh, you know, we'll get into all the specifics and how it's grown because, you know, I had the fortune of starting when I was in high school, you know, over at Churchill High School before Rob Gronkowski got there, uh, <laughs> which is before Woodland Hills. And then just to go, go through the years and how it's changed, how it's changed from the 70s in the media and trying to cover the league, you know, how... Uh, everything has kind of grown and just the difference now of trying to cover all the things whether it's going to be on television radio newspapers uh, online you name it i mean that's going to be the fun part about this talkback series i mean this is the third of three and of course i mean to get to go to the pittsburgh playhouse and actually be on stage i mean does it get any better than that <laughs> no i don't think it does and like i said anyone interested in attending check out the x uh twitter page uh, and of John, course you can check it out on also on uh, PittsburghPlayhouse.com. PittsburghPlayhouse.com. Be sure to check that out. John Clayton and Tom next Monday speaking for Point Park University discussing the media and the National Football League. Uh, John, I find the situation with the Cleveland Browns really intriguing. Uh, let's start with what they did trading for Tyrod Taylor and for Jarvis Landry. Uh, how do you rate those moves? I like it because, again, I think you, you can see a little bit of a better plan than the analytical disaster that they had for two years where all they did was accumulate draft choices and then draft bad players. Uh, what they, I mean, you, you've seen this. I mean, hey, they're 1-31 they're for a reason. And, of course, a lot of it was chasing away the good players that they had and replace them with guys that just didn't project out. But what you like about what John Dorsey's come in there is that, first off, they needed a slot receiver. You know, they've got uh, Josh Gordon, if he's not suspended. I mean, he's back at least this year. He's a good outside guy. They don't know about Corey Coleman, but now you've got one of the best slot guys in football in Jarvis Landry. That's got to be encouraging. You know, when they made the Tyrod Taylor trade, again, he's only going to
going to be a bridge until the next quarterback. But he was one instead of just trying to get out there and outbid you know, a couple teams for AJ McCarron. You got a guy that can start. You got a guy that on a good offense with talent, which they don't have enough of. But it's like when they get that, you know, he can put 24 points a game out there. I mean, what he's he's a guy with a QBR, which is of course the ESPN number in the 60s. That's pretty respectful because it puts him up there, you know, in that middle of the pack. And so they make that move, and then uh, you know we'll see whether uh, Demarius Randall can fit in a free safety. But here it is on a Friday, which of course I, I was thankful because I was doing uh, moving the chains, hosting that with uh, Pat Kerwin. It's like what a, what a day seeing old loose street trades and a little bit of life coming out of the Cleveland Browns. Now is that going to turn them around? Well, I mean they're so far down, it can't change things. But you can say it's a good start because now they can at least you know draft uh, you know a Barkley if it, whether it's in the first pick or the fourth pick. You know they get a quarterback whether it's going to be Darnold or I think they may go for Josh Allen and he's the quarterback of the future. You know they'll make a couple moves in free agency, particularly at cornerback, and all of a sudden their roster gets a little bit better. They got to take Barkley, don't they? I mean, John, he's not only the future; he's a bit of a quick fix as well. Yeah, but I, but I still think. I mean, this is. Remember, this is Tyrod Taylor is the 29th quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. 29, and here you're in a position drafting one. Don't you think it'd be wise to get the best quarterback? I mean, if they need to, you know, they can call the Giants and then try to maybe trade up from four to two. You know, giving up one of their three twos, and then they can get Barkley and the quarterback of their choice. But you know, as it stands right now, you know, if they take Barkley at number one, I mean, it's still possible that uh, you know with you got Chubb going to Indianapolis at three, and maybe Barkley going to uh, Giants at four. Or that uh, there's still a chance that you know, Buffalo's trying to trade up. I mean, they already moved up today with that Cordy Glenn trade from 21 to 12. So you know they're trying to move up on a quarterback. So one of these teams, whether it's two, the Giants, three, Indianapolis, might be willing to trade down, and all of a sudden you get your second or maybe third choice at quarterback, and that's just not good for Cleveland. Now, what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins? And what's going to happen with Drew Brees? Heck, might as well include Case Keenum in there, too, because he's available. Yeah, well, Cousins looks like I think it's going to be Minnesota over the New York Jets. And so that puts, uh, you know, Case Keenum more likely in Denver over Arizona. Probably A.J. McCarron going to Arizona. Uh, I can see Sam Bradford probably going to the Buffalo Bills as kind of being their bridge quarterback. And so that's where the movement, of course. But it's intriguing right now because, you know, they got that uh, short window uh, for the New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees where he's, a- he's able to negotiate with other teams. And he's already got a $25 million offer from one team. The Jets have offered him two years, 50 mil, and naturally that's not going to be enough because he probably needs to get 27 or 28, but uh, Minnesota's made that phone call, and you know the Denver Broncos will do it because you know they made the move successfully on Peyton Manning, but in the end, the Saints just have to get this thing done. If not, you know they have to have an $18 million cap hit on Wednesday, which would just devastate them if they don't get him signed. Are the Patriots ever going to stop contending, John? I guess what I'm asking is, when does Tom Brady hit that wall? Uh, hard to tell. I mean, it's like I, I, he's he's thinking it's four years, five years down the line. I mean, this guy is just uh, you know amazing, and, and now he's got this new nutritional thing and new workout thing. I mean, listen, how, how about the fact that even Rob Gronkowski is now following the Tom Brady plan? I mean, it's like <laughs> no party boat. Let's follow Tom Brady's uh, success in trying to stay healthy. But I mean, hey, as long as Belichick and Tom Brady are there, I mean, they're going to still be great. And so right now, I mean, still number one seed is New England. Number two is Pittsburgh, but I think there has to be some one concern with the Patriots in the sense that they don't have any playmakers on defense, 
and they, unless they start getting some, I mean, it could be a repeat of what happened in the Super Bowl or at the start of the season when they couldn't stop anybody. What do the Steelers have to do to get over that hump? Because they just can't beat New England. I mean, I know it was only a regular season game, but the way that game ended just was a microcosm of the Steelers' frustration with New England. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just win, win the game in the regular season against the Patriots. Because kind of, this is now set up like the Peyton Manning-Tom uh, Brady battle. Ben Roethlisberger every year going up against Tom Brady, and uh, whoever can get that regular season game can get advantage at home field. I mean, clearly, wrestling home field away from the Patriots is going to be the key. Now, it doesn't matter, of course, if you lose to Jacksonville, you don't have to play up in Foxborough, but they need to win that regular season game and put everything in it. And they almost did it this time. I mean, they did it a couple years ago, but still, New England at home during the playoffs, very tough to beat, hard to keep them out of the Super Bowl. So if they can just get that regular season win, then uh, you know that might give them the edge because Patriots coming to Pittsburgh without the defensive playmakers you know, are vulnerable. John, as always, a real pleasure. Great football insight, and we'll see you in Pittsburgh next Monday. Hey, next Monday, don't, 7 o'clock at the Pittsburgh Playhouse. That's John Clayton, the professor. Go to the Pittsburgh Playhouse website or to the X Twitter. You can talk football with John Clayton. It's the Point Park University Talk Back Series. The professor talks about the media and the NFL. That's next Monday at the Pittsburgh Playhouse. It's now time to ask Mark anything. And that's always a lot of fun, except when it's not. Ask me anything you like. Dial 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. Yep. You want an answer. You don't want no uh, hee-hawing. Well, I really do like the hee-hawing. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. Time to ask Mark anything. Brought to you by Chipino Restaurant and Cigar Bar. It's the city's best seafood and chop house. And as you know. They have added the Super Genius Burger to their menu. It's so good. has so much stuff on it. I can't really describe, I mean, blue cheese, bacon, sriracha ketchup. It is delightful, yes. So please do try it and be sure to check out Chipino in the strip. You can ask Mark anything by dialing 412-333-9939. I posted a blog today um, last night on the WWE pay-per-view Fastlane. It was revealed that uh, Charlotte, Ashley Flair, will be facing the challenge of Asuka, the undefeated uh, Japanese sensation at WrestleMania. And that will be absolutely brilliant. It'll be, I think, has the potential certainly to be the best women's match in WWE history because these are two elite performers, absolutely elite. They both have pedigree. There's a built-in storyline with Oscar being undefeated in what's well, got to be over two years between NXT and WWE, so I think it'll be great. I think Ashley Flair is the best performer in women's wrestling history, and this could very well steal the show. Let's go to Jay in the car. Jay, ask Mark anything. What's up, Mark? How are what you? Up? I have a knowledge question, and I'm really befuddled with the, and it touches on your review comments from earlier. Be fun, though, um, okay. Okay, so really puzzled. So last night, the Dallas Stars, when they took the five-on-three that subsequently got a goal, they used their timeout. Subsequently, with the Hornquist goal, how were they able to challenge that goal with his offside offset? Uh, you, you, don't, you don't risk a timeout when you challenge offsides, but if you get it wrong, you get a two-minute delay game penalty. 
Thank you. I didn't know. And I don't understand why it's different for goalie interference than it is for offside. It should be uniform. The same for either, but it's not. Leaves the line open, 412-333-WXDX. Let's go to Tom in the car. Tom, ask Mark anything. Mr. Madden, I was curious if Mr. Thursday afternoon is still under contract. Uh, isn't he Mr. Friday afternoon now? I might. I, I haven't heard him in a while. Yeah, he's Mr. Friday. No, he was never uh, contracted. He was performing as a freelancer and for no money. And I got to put up that poll, which will either bring him back next year or vote him off for good. And I will <laughs> abide by the will of the people. If they vote him off, he's done. Awesome. What do you say? Should he come back or should I get rid of him? I enjoy the banter. Okay, we'll get rid of him then. Let's go to Nathan in North Park. Nathan, ask Mark anything. Hi, Mark. Yeah. Um, my question is, let's say Hornquist did not score that goal and the other team comes down the ice and scores, wouldn't it behoove the Penguins to say, wait now, a That's second. actually a good point because offsides would have stopped the play before either goal. But, but I believe once the puck leads, leaves the zone, that, that it's like a reset. I see. Bro, it's it's crazy, isn't it? It's so confusing. It is confusing. I used to think replay would be the savior of sports because they get everything right, and now we have replay. It slows the game to a crawl as often as not, and we still don't get it right. I couldn't agree more, and I think, and to me personally, it puts me off of watching any professional sports because I like a level playing field. Well, no, no, I, I want them to get things right, but there's got to be a happy medium. That That's true. Like I said, I, I would I would not have any longer the offside appeal because too much time can elapse between the offside and the goal being scored. Uh, when, when there's goal interference, it's relevant to the goal being scored. The goal would not be scored if not for the interference on the goaltender. At least that's the theory. Whereas with the offside thing, the offside has nothing to do with the goal being scored. It's just coincidental to something having happened prior, which wasn't according to Hoyle. Let's go to uh, Bud and Plum. Bud, ask Mark anything. Let's go to Soup in Bridgeville. Soup, ask Mark anything. Super genius. I'm a Yankee fan. What kind of impact do you think Neil Walker will make with the Yankees? Well, they got the two young kids at second base, one of whom is recovering from Tommy John surgery. Isn't that right? That is true, yes. So, I mean, you tell me. Would he Should he start or should he be a super utility guy? I think start of the year, have him start, then end of the year, see if the young kids can do it. But, you know, they got that short porch in right field, him batting left-handed, being a switch hitter. I think that could work for him. I might give Neil the first crack at it. That's a good way of putting it. But, but with those young guys who are both very talented from what I read, yeah. uh, I would I would be open to them winning the job, too. I think that's only the, the right way to run it when you have so much talent to pick from and so much money to spend like the Yankees do. But I'm, I'm hoping for the best for Neil, to be sure. Me too, definitely. Let's go to Justin in South Carolina. Justin, ask Mark anything. Good day, sir. Right. Hey, listen, I, I was wondering, how do you feel about the air horn guy at the Penn game? Well, that's Iceberg. Iceberg, the mascot, has an air horn. Oh, that's Iceberg. It reminds me of the Capitals games every time I hear it. It drives me nuts. Yeah, well, anything to get the crowd going, I have no problem. Don't forget the great Pittsburgh sports debate. 
Wednesday, 7.30 at Tequila Cowboy on the north side. Todd Haley's home away from home. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X.